Welcome, friends, to The Flower of the Cedar, a novel in episodic podcast form. We are about to start the next chapter. Come, join us. Chapter 16 Before the Garden And so it was that Lara, Jan, and Dane came to stand beside one another in the council room of the Gan the following day. They stood in the middle of a beaten ring of copper, winter lions alert and watchful, facing the long assembly at the head of the room. The mahoganies of that assembly, some twenty in number altogether, were each seated behind a grand, twisted spar of wood, a unified whole, cut out, no doubt, from some mightily trunked tree far larger than any Lara had seen in her own short life. It lay as though just fallen in a graceful sweep and the carving that had been done upon it could barely be seen, just a hint of storied figures at its base, where it met with the floor and mingled shadows. The copper ring was surrounded by pillars, and in the dim colonnades beyond had gathered many of the people, families with children, groups of apprentices, single artisans, and guilds. A patient silence fell over them all when Toman and Nissa led their three guests into the ring, standing then to one side, still within the ring themselves, but not at its center. Lara found herself mesmerized with the airs of that room. Its ceiling vaulted extraordinarily high, higher than the roof had seemed from the outside and from the quality of the light and the crispness of the air, she thought that part of its summit must be cut away, open to the out-of-doors. The copper floor beneath her felt warm, but when she touched one of the marble pillars in passing, it was icy. She wondered briefly if any subterranean heat came up from the mountain rock beneath the building, enough to warm the copper, but not strong enough to reach the pillars. And these then are the strangers. The voice belonged to one of the members of the gun, a tall mahogany man sitting slightly to the left of the great spar. He had leaned forward on his hands, his flint-like blue eyes alighting on them with interest. He wore a band about his head of deep blue, far darker than the blue of his eyes, and Lara thought of the shallows and fathoms of ocean water. "'These, then, are the strangers,' said Toman from beside them. "'And they have but lately arrived. "'They have but lately arrived. 
And it is that they ask for shelter through this winter among the people. They do so ask. And you and your wife have full willing consented to take them into your home? We have full willing consented, said Toman and Nisa in concert. The man with the blue eyes sat back, and another man to his right stood He carried himself upright, loosely, and his fair hair fell from temple to shoulders like a pool of sunlight indoors. He looked young, but Lara had ceased trying to guess ages. It seems good to us that they should remain in your home, said the fair-haired man. He had his hands clasped before his body and spoke with steadiness, and it seems good to us also that they shall be given occupation for their strengths, so that their time among the people will not be empty of use. Have you, Nisa, and have you, Toman, given thought to the work that shall beset them while they abide with you? We have given thought, said Nisa. And what then is the fruit born of your thought? It is decided, she said, that the two young women and the young runner shall be as apprentices to my husband. It is decided that they shall give him aid in his work of repairing. And it is further decided that the young runner shall give him aid as well in his work of beautifying. Toman, do you also say thus? Toman gave a brief nod. I also say thus. The fair-haired man in his turn fell silent and resumed his seat. Lara, mesmerized by the rhythms of the interchange, found herself watching his wrists as he crossed them on the spar before him. He wore wide guards of leather round his wrists, a pale leather with dark green patterns tooled into its surface, these, then, must be his talismans, she thought. When she lifted her eyes from them, she found he was looking at her, seeming faintly amused, as Toman had been when she asked about the hand shapes for foreigners. She looked away with an embarrassed dip of her head. A woman, sitting in the exact center of the spar, stood now. Lara thought that she, clearly, could be termed old. The intent with which she moved her body, the certain patience hovering in her eyes, and the gentle signs of wear in the skin of her face and hands. Surely this woman must be an elder among them. Her head was shaven and wrapped in a soft peach-colored turban, and on the first finger of her right hand she wore a large ring with a stone cold as the moon. When she spoke, she did not raise her voice, and yet it carried into the recesses of the colonnades and up into the empty spaces of the ceiling from whence light snowflakes had begun to fall. And we speak welcome, then, unto these newcomers, and would wish to hear from their own lips their place among their peoples. 
She remained standing but said no more, watching the three of them expectantly. Toman and Nisa turned and left the copper circle, going to stand by one of the nearest pillars. Lara felt momentary panic, not certain what was meant by the last speech. Her place among her people? But Dane stepped forward with his fist held to his breast and spoke. And it has been said truly, Ganim, that I am a runner of the marked ones. I am the first child of my parents, who have gone to the god, leaving no other children. In my eleventh winter I was taken into the service of the god, and I have served thus for these ten winters since. I am known to two among your number, for I have travelled in these lands before on the gods' errands. On an earlier journey in my sixteenth winter, I passed a winter among the people, and was taught of some skill of carving. This skill I offer to Toman, my host, to aid in his work, for I have been sent to his family. The older woman nodded respectfully, and it is sure from your speech that you have been among the people, our to confirm it. Two nods, from a dark-haired man far down the spar, and a woman with a scar over her forehead. You are welcome among us, for we know the name of your own people, and reverence it. She then turned to Jan, holding her hand out to her, with the palm facing upward. And it is now for you to speak. Feel no worry for the manner of your speech. We do not ask of strangers that they know the customs of this gun. It is only this runner who has knowledge of us, to whom we give no instruction. For you we ask that you tell us your home your family, and the labor of your hands in your own land. Jan, imitating Dane, took a step forward before she spoke, holding the gaze of the old woman. I am the second child of my parents, who live in one of the lifted cities to the south of the mountains. A brother comes before me and three sisters after me. My mother and my father are transporters of goods not made by their own hands, and for my seventh winter I have accompanied them. Now, in my seventeenth winter, I am often entrusted with shipments alone, but I have never before travelled this far from my home. I have come as a friend and companion to Lara, and we have already travelled far together. She paused, her fingers flicking up to tuck a strand of hair behind her ear, and gave a quick, crooked smile. Truly your aid has saved our lives. We have rejoiced in the strength and the welcome of the people. Dane glanced at her and smiled in surprise, recognizing his own turn of phrase from weeks before, on their first meeting with Toman. A swift learner. The elder raised her hand to Jan once more, the corners of her mouth lifting, before she turned to Lara. And finally we shall ask of you, she said, that you tell us your home and your family and the labor of your hands among your people. Lara 
Nicola felt anxious no longer, but simply calm, feeling the flakes of snow drifting down to light on her cheeks, catching in her eyelashes as she stepped forward. The beaten copper flashed up at her, and she, like Jan, held the gaze of the elder mahogany woman as she said aloud, I come from a small village to the south of the lifted city, where Jan lives. I am the only child of my parents, and my father works the land and keeps sheep. I have reached my fifteenth winter, when, when I lived in my parents' home, I helped my mother in her garden. She wasn't sure if this sufficed for the labor of your hands among your people, but certainly she could claim nothing else. She looked down momentarily at the tough leather of the warm winter boots she wore. When she raised her eyes again, the elder mahogany woman was watching her as though expecting her to say something more. She glanced around. The whole room, Jan and Dane next to her, Toman and Nissa in her peripheral vision, the vague forms of people gathered in the colonnades, seemed waiting for her to say something more. She opened her mouth and shut it helplessly. And how is it then that you come here, so far from your parents' home and your land? said the elder gently. My parents... Lara repeated in a muted voice. She swallowed. I left my parents' home, she said. I have... have wanted to find my hearts and to bring them to the summer. One of the men seated behind the great spar nodded almost imperceptibly. He said in a quiet voice, And it is that she has come as one seeking. Still standing, the elder mahogany woman regarded Lara solemnly. And we thank you for what you have told us, she said. To all three of you, strangers among us, we give you welcome and grant that you shall remain among the people until the spring. Nissa, she said. And Nissa moved into the copper circle, somewhat slowly, unsure. You have taken these three into your home, said the elder. I have done so, she said. There are families among the people with whom they might dwell until the spring. We have asked and heard this, and we have asked and heard this day also that this young man is a runner of the marked ones. She paused, looking at Nissa as she stood straight, still. Then she said, Do you take these three into your home? Nissa hesitated. Lara was confused at the questions. Hadn't Nissa already said yes? Hadn't she and Toman already declared all this to the assembly? What did this seeming repetition mean? Nissa turned and looked at Dane, 
where he stood. Under her gaze, he spread his hands open at his sides and sank to his knees before her. Lara's confusion redoubled at the humility in his posture. Yes, Nyssa said at last, I take these three into my home. The elder nodded. It shall be thus indeed. We give you welcome. And with those words, the silence in the room ceased. The members of the gun rose and left their seats behind the spar, and the listening families and guilds began milling about, talking to one another, letting their children play among the columns. Only Nyssa and Dane remained where they were, he kneeling with hands in supplication, she standing before him, looking down at him as though struck dumb. The Flower of the Cedar is written, produced, and published by me, Kay Benavraham. This content is made possible by the support of my patrons on Patreon. We make monthly pledges they can increase, decrease, or cancel at any time. If you are enjoying listening, please consider supporting my work on Patreon. Even a dollar a month makes a great difference to a struggling author. For those of you wishing to support this work in non-monetary fashion, you can tell a friend about the podcast or leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts to help ratings rise so that other people can find it. Thank you so much.